1969, back in the days when nobody knew about any of the yogis and the swamis that had come over from India. But they were coming over and they were teaching their specialties. And Yogi Bhajan came to teach whatever he felt was going to work. And he said after realizing what the industrialized West was like, he realized that it was kundalini yoga that he needed to teach because the breath and the structure of the body would cleanse all of that which had taken place over centuries in the industrialized West that is now running rampant Welcome to Divine Through Line. I'm Ma Ananda Srimati, sometimes known as Julie Pyatt, and I'm here to share with you musings and perspectives on what it really truly means to live a life divine. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, beloved family, cosmic tribe. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to Divine Through Line. I greatly appreciate your sacred presence. Uh, in this amazing medium, the podcast, which is able to reach all over planet Earth, truly divine, that we can commune and connect and uh, exchange energy on this amazing platform. So thank you so much. Um, So today I have a really amazing episode to share with you guys. I actually had the immense blessing and privilege of hosting Guru Singh and his beloved um, Guru Prakarmakar over for lunch. It actually happened before I went to Ireland. I was very busy and I actually recorded an intro previously and just it sucked. So I had to delete it. And so anyway, so I'm coming uh, back to you now to share with you this amazing being, this beautiful, beautiful being of light who is teaching in LA and has been 
really part of the Kundalini scene in the United States. Uh, he was one of the original devotees and uh, close allies of Yogi Bhajan, who is the master who brought the teachings of Kundalini uh, to this sacred land. So Guru Singh has uh, amazing wisdom, incredible vision, and uh, a unique ability to teach and express his humanity. He's extremely accessible, very, very easy to sit next to. Um, he's so reachable, and you can see yourself within him, and he sees himself within you. I truly, truly believe that he is uh, just one of the treasures um, of energies in a human body. And lucky for us, no matter where you are all over the world, you can tune in to what he's offering and sharing. So right off the top, I just want to mention his website, which is gurusing.com. Now, if you go there, you'll see that he has an entire program of teachings that are available and you can uh, download these. Uh, some you know, are $7, $8, like that type of thing. And I believe you can also subscribe to the entire program and just have these incredible teachings at your fingertips. I um, never miss an opportunity to go see him in L.A. He teaches at Yoga West, which is the original studio where Yogi Bhajan taught when he was alive and in a body. Um, and uh, Guru Singh is a, is a beautiful musician, incredible musician. He actually um, was a contemporary of Janis Joplin, of Jimi Hendrix, and uh, he was on the verge of entering into a career of pop music or rock music, um, and he decided to go into the mountains of Mexico with a shaman for 11 days, which turned into, I think, 11 months. And when he came back, he had fully uh, become uh, really a, a transmitter of spiritual energy through his music, and it was no longer about writing a hit song. So he always comes with his guitar, and he's going to share a beautiful mantra that he sings um, as part of the episode. So um, you guys will get the real flavor of what it means to hang out with Guru Singh. I also just want to make an announcement. Um, he is announcing their teacher training, annual teacher training, and if you're in the LA area, um, you can sign up. It's a level one kundalini, and I, it happens monthly over nine months. And just everything about this, like even if you never thought that you might want to be a teacher of yoga, it, it's not only about that. It's about really accessing your own mastery. And when you go to Guru Singh's class, you always leave inspired and lifted up and more connected to the essence of who you are. In my opinion, it's one of the best things going, the best things around. So um, you guys check it out. Um, I really hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Uh, we're a little, there's a lot, some gaps in the conversation because we were both in um, kind of a, an expanded place of nothingness. And so the, the words are a little slow to come in some places. Um, but anyway, uh, that's it. So I hope you guys enjoy the episode and um, I will have him back on. We're collaborating. Uh, we're in touch. We're allies. And um, this is not the last that you will hear of Guru Singh. Um, so anyway, before we go into the episode, I just want to make a couple quick announcements. I want to 
Thank everybody for uh, your support for the podcast, all the Patreon group. Thank you so much for your generous support. It means a lot to me. I also want to uh, just mention that I am doing uh, private healing sessions for the first time. I'm actually scheduled five days a week at 11 a.m. I've been doing some of those sessions with some of you. I'm going to feel it out and see how much I'm able to facilitate uh, and keep my energy uh, good and helpful. So we'll see how that pans out. But if you have interest in that, go to my website, srimati.com, and you can uh, click on the healing page and find out all about that. Uh, So the kind of healing that I do is um, a type of etheric surgery. It's a facilitation of connecting you to your greater self. As everything that I share on this podcast, the intention is to connect you to you, You are the one you've been waiting for. I am no guru. I am just a friend along the path pointing uh, to some signposts, uh, holding a lantern. Maybe some of that will be relevant to you. Um, And I have no attachment whether it is or it isn't, but I feel deeply blessed when you write to me and share your life experience. It means a lot. So I've been keeping a folder of questions that have been coming through. And um, on the next episode, I will dive into a couple more of those questions. And um, Malta Retreat is is filling up nicely. So if you're interested in coming to work with me one-on-one, I'm doing a three-and-a-half-day workshop on Malta. Um, and that is in early October, October Um, I'm blank. October when is it? October 12th, I think, to the 15th. So I will be there um, teaching at at Sanya Malta. It's an eco spa and yoga studio there owned by Yasmin and her sister Amber. I don't know why I thought Amber's name was Ambe. I had this whole thing in my in my awareness, like, wow, what a cool name. That's such a cool name. And for some reason, my eyes saw it that way, but I believe her name is just Amber, which is also a really beautiful name. So anyway, these two amazing girls are hosting me. I'm looking very forward to connecting with the island of Malta, one of the ancient, ancient pieces of land on planet Earth, uh, ruins older than the pyramids. Um, I think it's going to be a cosmic experience. So if you're interested in that, we are ticketing on Conscious City Guide. The name of the workshop is Beloved. If you go to ConsciousCityGuide.com and search that, uh, you can find that, or you can go on my site and find the link. Um, also, uh, thank you, everyone, who sent me so many beautiful messages and feedback about my music um, video, uh, which I shot with Avery Wheelis, an amazing young fine artist who uh, really made a beautiful piece of film, a piece of work, of artwork. So um, it's my song, Beloved. Uh, I am really, really love the song, very dear to me, and it means a lot to me when other people recognize it and feel it and see it. So thank you so much. I'll be shooting more uh, music videos with her. So we're going to have some more songs coming up for you. Um, And finally, uh, Rich and I have our meal planner, the Plant Power Meal Planner. It's a meal planning service. You can subscribe to it. It's only $1.90 a week. And it kind of takes all the guesswork out of your meal planning. As you guys know, I believe that eating a plant-based diet is very um, central to uh, being in a 
peaceful place connected with your soul and able to feel yourself. And as I know, we are all divine emanations of God. This is so important that we know ourselves. So very important. So anyway, check that out if you're interested. If you haven't subscribed to my uh, newsletter, please do at trimati.com. I send out at least one newsletter a week with different things on it, uh, podcast episodes, recipes, and just some musings and, and perspectives. So I hope you'll check that out. Subscribe also to my uh, YouTube channel, Ananda Srimati. Uh, I actually have like 16 videos. Wow, that's huge for me. <laughs> we'll see uh, how that evolves as the months go on. So anyway, I think that's about it for this week. I'm going to be attending Revitalize in Arizona. I'm going to this wellness event that is hosted by Mind Body Green. Our dear friends Jason and Colleen Wacob are the founders, and uh, that's been a very amazing community. So I'm going to be going actually solo this year. Rich just got back from racing Odele, which is this amazing race in Sweden uh, where these crazy athletes uh, did a whole day race that took, you know, over 10 hours, took Rich 10 hours and 40 minutes um, to complete this race of run, swim. So if you didn't know about that, check out my Instagram feed. I posted an article that was in the New York Times written by the extraordinary Adam Skolnick, uh, really a love letter to Rich Roll, to his podcast, and uh, to this race, and to all the athletes that competed. Also, Rich's co coach, Chris Houth, um, just has been an amazing force in our life, and, and very, very supportive to Rich and, and our journey. So um, anyway, check it out if you haven't already, and I think that's it. Let's check out Guru Singh. Have a beautiful week. I'll be in touch. Namaste. Um, it's truly a blessing and an honor uh, beyond to have both of you here this afternoon. Thank you so much for coming and blessing me with your radiant presences. Um, we have so much to share. There is so much beauty uh, in our combined energies and what happened when we get together. So thank you so much uh, for being here, Guru Singh. Our pleasure and uh, truly an honor. It's interesting because when Whenever somebody talks about how much they gain from our presence, we always feel like, well, that was just what we were thinking about your presence. So, <laughs> so Guru Singh, I was, I was, uh, well, sort of faintly thinking about what you know if we should select a topic, but then I just decided to not think about anything and just let it be natural, let it come from where it came, where it comes. It's kind of like what you said was the difference between the way you prepared and the way Rich prepares is that he has everything absolutely categorized and, and, uh, and you allow it to just uh, come and go. Yes, come and go. That's the big challenge. I think if I can really be open, the more I can let go, the more beauty can arrive. Hmm. Um. Yeah, and the interesting thing is what, um, what we were talking about a moment ago the, the spread of wealth in your world is now... It's interesting because when you were talking about that rap thing, 
Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the turban wrapping? Yes. Your friend was talking we to We were talking about, about, you guys, we were talking about Guru uh, Singh and Guru Prakama Kar's turbans. I asked if turban was the name of it. Um, and it. And it is the name. And what you were coming was that a friend of yours had said, well, I'm not going to do the... I'm not going to do that spin thing. I'm not going to do that thing. That and, thingy. And it was that the motion of the hand in a circular motion, that spiral. And in fact, that is um, what is going to be happening in in your world and in the world of, of those of us who are uh, working with um, the advanced natures. Mm to clean up this world. Uh, we are going to actually be, interestingly enough, um, alchemistry, uh, that uh, turning something into wealth. Um, we will be turning consciousness into physical wealth mm. over the next probably five or six decades, uh, which is what it will take for a complete transfer of the uh, of the overall power in this world because otherwise uh, the way it's going it's um, it's not going to sustain itself mm-hmm. and when you're talking about so the wrapping motion will you talk to us a little bit about that process and you were you were speaking to me about almost uh, like an eddy and and gathering the energy within and how that creates a spiral motion or a concentration at the core of that process yeah, it was one of the things that the Buddha studied the river for. Um, and as the Buddha would sit by the river, um, our friend uh, Miten, uh, husband of uh, Deva Pramal, um, has this beautiful song on his new album uh, called uh, Temple at Midnight, uh, called River Man. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it's the story of a ferryman that carries people across the river. Carry you over to the other side. I will carry you over to the other side. And one of the things that the Buddha noticed in his study of the river was how everything was the river. Because the river is that combination of its source and its destination simultaneously. So both ends of the river are connected to their, to their reason for being. The source is the source and the outcome is the outcome. And in between the source and the outcome on the earth is the river of your life, right? The course of your life. And sometimes your life is traveling toward your destination and sometimes you reach obstacles and it's moved away from your destination, but it's still always connected to your destination. So you will always reach your destination. And that's the surrender that the Buddha talked about. Well, the river is spread, but there are concentrated portions in the river called eddies. And these eddies are those circular points in the river in which it reinvigorates its life. And that's why the rivers of Europe and some of the rivers now in America that have been put into concrete troughs, 
right? Canals, they've been, you know, they've been built into concrete straightaways mm -hmm. and 90 degree corners actually kills the life in the water, eliminates the life from the water. So the water is still water, but it's not living water mm -hmm. because living water infuses itself with oxygen when it has a centripetal force, a spiraling inward force. And those are the natures of the eddies. And so a river will flow from its source to its outcome. And every so often it will need to invigorate itself mm. in creating one of these eddies. And if you notice in an eddy, that's where the fish gather because there's more oxygen and they can breathe more readily. In the river of the life of the spiritual movement on earth, we are coming up to an eddy. In a time such as the industrialized times, when there's a lot of pollution and corruption in the world, well, that's something that you also find in an eddy, is that it also gathers all the styrofoam cups and mm. all the debris that might be in the river. So not only is, is it infusing oxygen into the water, but it's also collecting the debris. So what we have in the world right now is this concentration of debris, which is what we see politically. We see it economically in the corruption of economics. We see it in the religions of the world, how they're fighting amongst themselves and they're determining whether or not they should be open and real or they should be closed and traditional. And so these are the debris that are gathering. And at the same time, the oxygen, the wealth is gathering for those of us on spiritual paths. And what it's important, it's incumbent upon us on the spiritual path to be able to see the danger of the debris and not be overwhelmed by it. Because right alongside the danger of the debris is the infusing of new life, of wealth. Mm. And that's what's coming into your world, the world, our world. Mm, beautifully, beautifully put. Um, so as, as, I'm, as I'm feeling into what you're sharing, I'm feeling that there is a great power in neutrality, in being immersed in that zero point, in that, in that space of, of emptiness and fullness. And yet, I think it would be so... Uh, beautiful and profound for so many of us to hear you speak about, um, you know, we are uh, living and in, in the middle of a lot of debris. <laughs> and uh, I guess what I want to ask is, uh, you know, what, are, what is your counsel and your guidance of, uh, of for us to um, help to clear the debris, to not associate with the debris, to uh, also not be in denial of the debris, uh, what are some life practices or how should we um, uh, use all of our energy in the highest divine manner in order to uh, transmute, manage, and uh, surf this kind of terrain? One of the ways that the great masters talked about the life is that you divide it into four quadrants. The first quadrant is that you absorb everything that is. The second quadrant was that you balance with that absorption. Mm -hmm. 
by balancing with that absorption, that's the neutrality that you spoke of. That's the emptiness and fullness simultaneously. Then what comes to you is right action. And that's the third quadrant. The third quadrant is right action. There must be action. The fourth quadrant is surrender. So the first quadrant is gather. The second quadrant is balance. Mm -hmm. In that balance, you determine, you can determine, you intuit what is on and what is off. Then you either enhance what is on when you do right action, or you correct in a very congenial way what is off in your right action. And then in the fourth quadrant, you surrender to the outcome, and that's what the will of God. Mm. So absorb, balance, act, surrender. Absorb, balance, act, surrender. Beautiful. And in that way, action is really wise because it's coming from a deep understanding of what is as opposed to some agenda mm -hmm. that you might be carrying or some reaction to something that you are experiencing. So it's almost like a spot, like it seems to me like after you absorb and you balance, mm. then you're in this kind of like neutral place, which is naturally conducive to right spontaneous action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's not really like, you didn't think of it with your mm -hmm. head or mm -hmm. make a big story about it. It's simply what is appropriate in the, in the moment. This feels very appropriate and it's almost like a reflex mm -hmm. or a, a very natural act. I think that's really, really profound. And I know I get a lot of questions on this subject. Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, they have a lot of questions about spiritual practice and they say, well, well, if you're just surrendering, then, you know, then, mm -hmm. you know, they get, they get the action and the surrender uh, components mixed up. And that's, and that's what was always the means of controlling people. The idea of the renunciate. Because the renunciate was taking the fourth quadrant and making it 100% when it was really only supposed to be 25%. That's and, profound. And what was causing that was that because there was so much wisdom coming from the practitioners, those that wanted to control capital in whatever form it was, you know, land was capital, Gold was capital, power was capital, whatever those things were. Over the centuries, those that wanted to control that realized that if they could get enough momentum so that the practitioners, those who were really wise, would just go into that fourth quadrant and be surrendering, that they could not be bothersome. And so that way, what they did was that they created these sayings such as money is the root of all evil, and they created the, the uh, sannyasis who would have nothing 
of value as their own. And it's interesting because Yogi Bhajan once said, poverty is a curse because if you're poor, you have nothing to share. Mm -hmm. And if you have nothing to share except your wisdom, then you have no action orientation because, it, it, because energy is required for action. And one of the energies of the world is capital. Mm-hmm. And so if you can, as a massively spiritual being, also have capital flowing through your river, mm-hmm. then you can achieve great ends. You can build villages, you can house, you can clothe, you can feed. Definitely. Yeah. And this is, this is where spirituality merges with physicality. You know, the whole idea of the spiritual world being something separate in the physical world, you know, just for those people that are going to get involved. No. And that's why those renunciates and those, those who would just sit in meditation, it's complete and total nonsense. Grist ashram means the life of a householder, you know, like you and Rich, like my wife and I. This is a life of relationship. This is a life of paying mortgages. This is a life of having activities. This is a life of raising children. This is a life of being in the world. Mm -hmm. But being in the world in a highly spiritual form, that's very attractive. Otherwise, people that are seduced by the material world will not be at all attracted to spirituality because it's just so far removed from anything that attracts them. Yes, this is true. We have to become attractive to those people. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because when Rich first met me, he said, you know, you're so approachable. And I thought, (laughs) well, that's an interesting word. You know, somebody can actually approach me, (laughs) right? And, and, and what I was realizing was that, yeah, because we have to be able to connect with real value as well as invisible value. Yes. Well, and it's that balance, I think, that, that has been lacking. And it seems like it's either one way or the other. Yes. So, yeah, we've had a lot of interactions with, with people or, or teachers or gurus or or masters and there is a very um there's a separation you know there's a a pageantry or a ceremony or um you know or not they're untouchable and there's groupies all around them exactly the kind of things and i say that (laughs) i just got bleeped but uh, what i think though is um this is the one thing that i always say is i say i'm not of the lineage but I deeply love the lineage. Mm. So the, the answer isn't to throw out the lineage or throw out the practices or throw out no. these, these amazing divinity yeah. you know, experiences, but it's how do we merge the two? How are we walking embodiments of like sons of God, like solar beings walking on the planet, fully connected to our source? Because I also feel like there's another sort of movement that gets tricky with... Uh, certain sets, sets of beings trying to uh, use spirituality to then, they, they think that spirituality means that, that then they're going to win the lottery or they're going to be able to, um, you know, gain more in a material way. So in my experience, it's been almost like 
um, this, this deep devotion, the deep laying down of your life to the force that is greater than you is, um, a maturity. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, rich in my life definitely alchemize within our relationship. And a lot of times, I mean, I know when I first reawakened to this spiritual life, um, you, I didn't realize it was going to be so challenging. Mm. You know, I did have a feeling inside of myself. Well, if I do this and I commit, then, you know, I'll be kind of cared for in a way. And I was cared for, but sometimes the, the way you get cared for is by a swift kick, <laughs> especially yeah. if you're not paying attention. So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, this is something that we need to talk about and something that I love about you that I can come and sing with you on stage and you don't mind that I don't wear the turban that you wear and that I can come as I am. I don't even see <laughs> that you don't wear the turban because the differentiation, you know, there's, there's, an, there's a couple of ways in which we view people. And one is we will view how are they different than me? And the other way is to view how are they the same as me? And those of us who view, and I'm hearing you say that, those of us that view how are you the same as me actually get swept along in the river as opposed to having to swim in the river. And life can be quite effortless in its effort. And at the same time, there are those moments when we are going to have to, because the river goes through rapids and the churning of the water and the narrows and the turbulence of the big rocks and the jagged rocks of life. And it's those times that we have to be able to navigate. But even that navigation, when we do that same practice of fully absorb, balance, take action, and surrender, you find that even that time of turbulent navigation, those same four quadrants apply. I look at what you were describing. It's a one-room schoolhouse earth. And the majority of humanity is not in the graduate school. The majority of humanity by design is in the undergraduate programs. And those of us that are in the graduate programs or even professors in the graduate programs are not more important nor more special. We're just more responsible. Because we are more aware, because we know more, we have more tasks that have been assigned to us. And just like a graduate student is not more important than a preschooler. Their life is equally important and they're of great special qualities. But the graduate student definitely has more responsibilities than the preschooler. So if you look across the world and you see that there are some that are following a spiritual path that actually are in that groupy world that are what did you say? You said, I'm not of thee, but I am... I'm not of the lineage, but I deeply mm. love the lineage. There you go. So what those that are of the lineage, that are having to be gathered around the flame of the lineage, 
um, are actually being carried by the lineage. And what you're observing is the lineage and you're absorbing the nutrient of the lineage, wisdom and knowledge so that you can add that to the bouquet of your teachings like what we all do. And in that bouquet of the teachings, it's available for everyone. It's not just a specific kind of teaching. And those that want to call for purity in the lineage are important. Um, and those that want to add that purity to another purity to another purity to another purity to create a bouquet, we're important too. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. We will be a little bit more inclusive, a little bit less exclusive, because our task is that. Mm -hmm. Our task is to be inclusive. And that's actually what I see as approachability. Hmm? that you can be approached because no matter what it is that the person needs, you have it in your bouquet. Mm. No matter what, to further the metaphor, no matter what flower that person requires, you have it in your bouquet. You're not just a rose dealer. Mm -hmm. You're not just a chrysanthemum dealer. You're not just a Sikh. You're not just a Christian. You're not just a follower of a particular modality of yoga. You are so many different things. Mm -hmm. mm. That's important. And within that, um, could you share a little bit about your relationship with Yogi Bhajan? Because mm. I know that there is a perception or a projection of what you just said, what you just shared, and that is very, very wise um, truth that we all should just take a minute and really feel into that. And that is that there is no life form that is loved more in the eyes of consciousness. It doesn't matter. So it, it literally, every single life form is valid, is loved, is celebrated. Um, you know, and it, there's this equality or equanimity. I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, he said make up words because somebody okay, made good. up every word. <laughs> the equanimity. So, yeah, it's this thing of there's no value difference. So um, you can just be, you can take a breath and just be comfortable in who you are. Like you were made from a divine blueprint. You were created from nature. And you're uh, divine and you're celebrated simply for the fact that you exist at all. Mm. Just that. Mm. You don't even have to achieve anything or gain ever anything or learn anything. And I think that's a really powerful place to start. It's been a challenge for me in my life um, to explain to someone who doesn't maybe feel the devotion the way that I do or hasn't had the choice of life that I have had. Um, they perceive when, when, you, when one follows a guru that that is a weakness or that is, um, you know, that is in fact not individuating. It's, it's, it's not um, like self uh, self-initiating. So, um, I would like to hear, uh, a little bit about Yogi Bhajan, about the type of guru, who he was to you and, and what is your relationship with him? It's best explained in an experience that he and I shared 
about two or three years before he passed, which would be around 2000, 2001. And we were at a gathering at the ranch that he lived on in New Mexico, Española, New Mexico. And there was a lot of people there. Um, it, as I recall, it must have been right after solstice because there was a lot of people there. And some of them were people from India who gathered closely around him. And the rest of us were spread out throughout this very large room. And partway through the evening, I could see that there was a lot of uh, Indians gathered around him. And, you know, he was ex could, you could tell by his hand gestures that he was explaining things to them. And all of a sudden, his voice just shoots across the room and says, Hey, Guru Singh, we had no idea what we were doing when we started out, did we? And I looked back over at him across the room and I said, Well, I thought you did. <laughs> and he looks at me and he goes, Nah, and he throws his hand like, Nah, and we didn't know. We just followed the divine instructions. And that was our relation. I was, you know, I was his first. He always called me his firstborn. And of course, things got more formal as the decades went on. But in the beginning, we were just doing what we needed to do. And he did not come here to create people wearing turbans. He did not come here to create Sikhs. And all Sikhs don't wear turbans because the word Sikh simply means one who is a student of the divine. And so the idea that we look quite dis distinctive, so we must be of some particular sect, is just one of humans' interpretations. Now, if you interpret that about yourself, you will become somewhat limited. And you, somebody will say, well, what are you? And you will say, I am a this. Well, what is a this? And then you will define what a this is. Hmm? And he always said, I am a human. And that is even not what I am totally. Because I am spirit that has been inserted for a lifetime in the human form. Now after that, there are traditions that have been developed and there's been momentum created around those traditions. And those traditions assist you in achieving certain results in your human existence as a spirit, as a consciousness. But that is not what you are. You are not a Christian. You are not a Sikh. You are not a Hindu. You are not a whatever it is. And so I use the methodologies of Sikh Dharma. But I also use the Tao, 
I also use the Buddha. I also use Lord Krishna and all kinds of native indigenous events. And so when I think of all of that, I guess we're just spiritual mutts. (laughs) (laughs) Cross-pollinated from many, many lineages. But would you say that 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 is kind of the yogi, I mean, of the masters that are yogis that are expanded like Yogi Bhajan, they are spiritual beings that are playing with many different forms. Yes. Um, however, in my experience, and it's, it's my life experience, that, that the yogi techniques are absolutely magnificent. Yes. I mean, magnificent. Yes. I can't imagine my life without yogic practices. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I have this word that comes to me when I feel into yo- yogic practice and yogic scripture and, and devotion, and that word is shelter. Hmm. Um, I feel, the, you know, the human life is, is quite, a, quite a thing. It's quite an art. It's quite hmm. a full experience. And I always say that, you know, if you're really, really blessed, you will have at least one very huge sacred moment in your life that Mm. will have you on your knees. Mm. And in those times, the yogic practice is shelter. Mm. It's shelter from the storm. Mm. So it feels like it's, it's intelligent. It's, it's not like, uh, strange or, or odd thinking Mm. or outside the box. It's very intelligent. And if anything, you know, maybe, um, I have, you know, a desire for uh, more beauty, more grace, uh, more peace, um, understanding that the life has many colors. Um, maybe there's a part of me as a mother that I still crave to wrap children in compassion, to be compassionate to others, other humans. Um, and the yogic practice, it's its profound. And I we're new newly acquainted this lifetime for right now so i've only begun to practice some of the kundalini practices with you and every time i leave your presence and your class and what you share i'm transformed i i leave just so blessed and i always feel like a treasure like i've just discovered a treasure can you share a little bit about Kundalini, the practices that Yogi Bhajan shared with you in their various forms? Uh, how does Kundalini apply to humanity uh, as a whole? Think of your expression that yogic practices are shelter. You were describing earlier how you and Rich built this house. And so to create shelter, there's structure. And within that structure, there are rooms of particular assignments. There's the rooms that are kitchens. There's rooms that are to eat in. There's rooms that are to eliminate your waste in. There are rooms that you're going to take your rest in. There are rooms that you're going to meditate in. There are pools that you're going to swim in. So this is all part of the structure of that shelter. And what kundalini does is that it gives us 
an ability to fit into in our shelter, which is our physical body that houses this life force in our time on earth, it allows us to take our physical shelter in through a restructuring so that we can get it more to the place that it was in its original state, its pedic state, right? Its infant, its state of infancy when the skeletal structure was exactly perfect and the circulatory structure and the, and the respiratory structure and the digestive structure were all really functioning clearly and smoothly and efficiently. And that's what Kundalini can do because Kundalini yoga puts your body into these postures while it's pulling breath through it like a bellows so that you can enhance the movement. You're either, you're doing a set that can enhance the movement of your nervous system. You're doing a set that's enhancing the movement in your circulatory system. You're doing a set of yoga that's enhancing the movement in your, res in your respiratory or your digestive system. All of the different sets, it's like having a, a handyman come to your home, right? die home, hmm? <laughs> and you say, you, you know, our, our, our sewage is backed up, and he goes, okay, well, let me work on the home's digestive system, right? Or the electricity isn't working, so let me work on the nervous system, right? And so Kundalini is like that handyman that works on the structure within your shelter because yogic practices definitely definitely our shelters from the storm because the storm is just the nature of nature, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That river of life will flow through the various turbulences, the eddies, the still pools, the waterfalls, and all of the, the variety of, of water flow that's within a river from its source to the ocean. Mm -hmm. That's life. And so sometimes you need more of this in your life. Sometimes you need more of that in your life. And that's what Kundalini can do. Kundalini is um, very intuitive. Very intuitive. In other words, you, you have this vast array of yogic sets, kriyas and pranayams and meditations and mantras like a, like a huge materia medica, like the, the, the books that practitioners use, like a, an Ayurvedic has a materia medica, a homeopathic has a materia medica. It's, that's the encyclopedia of all the, of all the remedies and of all the diagnoses and all of the maladies and how they all fit together. And that's what Kundalini is. Kundalini is like a materia medica for life. That, and the reason you feel the way you feel when you come out of a class is because, you know, every one of us can have some improvement in, in all of our various systems. And so when you come out of a kundalini class, it's like you've had a tune-up. Like you've gone into a doctor and you've had a, you've had a really significant tune-up. It's profound. I mean, it's very, very powerful. And, and uh you know, I, I also get a lot of questions, and I've been reflecting quite a bit recently in the last couple of weeks, about 
our emotional patterns, our emotional disturbances that are in our life that we seem to come in and incarnate lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, like on repeat with the same wounding again and again and again. And I think that there is a need for more teachings and more guidance on how to clear this emotional trauma. Because if you're not, um, if you don't have a system or you don't have an ability to even understand what's going on, um, how can you clear it or disassociate from it? I, I had a, a master who used to say, you know, drop it, drop these collections of experiences that you've made a chain of your story of your life, which is completely false. Um, but what I'm looking for is within the Kundalini, which I really feel it's there, but this ability to observe the mind in, in its thought patterns as it affects the emotions in the body and to start saying, no, I'm not going to go down. I'm not going to allow you to take me down this emotional, you know, place that I usually go. And I'm going to shift the patterning and create a different experience or unclutch from that emotional trauma. I heard said um, that emotional disturbance is the biggest obstacle to meditation. And so could you speak a little bit as far as guidance of how to clear this emotional disturbance from a human life so that we can actualize that original divine blueprint, the, the original intention of who we really are? Slowly. <laughs> okay, wise. Hmm. Very slowly. Because the emotional component has gotten you to where you are when you want to release it. So if you don't release it in admiration for it, there's a, a debris, a charge that's left in the relationship between you and that emotional package. And so slowly means that you are going to release that emotional package in a devoted way with reverence for that emotional package having been with you as such a good friend for a period of time of your life. However long that is, you would never really be able to know so you can just know that it was for a significant period of life. In your life, spe speaking specifically, you're interestingly um, gathering um, talents, skills. And as you've traveled through life, You've dedicated yourself to certain practices in which you have sought the essence. Like you were saying earlier, you're not of the lineage. You deeply admire and devote to the lineage. 
So whatever that talent within the lineage is, you've dedicated yourself many times, even within this lifetime, many times. And whatever the separation from those lineages that's ever occurred, because they have occurred, uh, and you've described them in a variety of ways, is when the center point or the central practitioner of that lineage wants an attachment. And then you have a, a very keen safety mechanism that releases because you're filled with the lineage at that time. And it was interesting because I watched in my own uh, world how those that needed to attach to the central figure um, did so without encouragement, and that I deeply respected. The central figure did not encourage it. His main statements were always, don't love me, love the teachings. Mm -hmm. And that has been a central theme in your world. And that's the beauty of, that's why Kundalini is attractive to you at this time, because it's not about a persona. Mm -hmm. It's about a practice. And even, you know, even the four of us, you and Rich and my wife and I, uh, Guru Pakarmakar and I, um, you know, we talk as equals. Yes. Because we know everything is equal. Mm -hmm. Which is what you were just saying a moment ago, that we are made up of all of the practices. We may at some time, at some time you will go on a particular fast because there is a particular thing that you have to deal with. So there is some time in your life or some time amongst your incarnations that you will go on a specific practice because there is something specifically that you have to work with. But we are all of the practices. We are all of the religions. That's why our good friend Paramahansa Yogananda and Sri Yukteswar, right, created the church of all religions, right? Because... Paramahansa knew that if he was coming into the West, that they were very brand-oriented, right? So he said, I'm all brands. <laughs> we have no specific brand. <laughs> and he would have the pictures of all the great, right, the great masters, including the Western masters and the Eastern masters and the, in, and the discarnate masters and, right, the etheric masters and all of the above, right? All along the altar, and yes, okay, some will say, oh, you're just all just woo-woo. Hmm? Mm -hmm. But not actually. 
we're the we're the ones that will be like the old-fashioned doctor long before there were specialists and it was just the general practitioner who could do something for everything hmm. and that's who we are and we will not attach to any central figure and the moment any central figure or any mechanism tries to attach us we are pretty much like the wind yes yes and so you you often share and and uh and we know that we are the ones we've been waiting for there's mm. nobody coming there's mm. nobody flying down from the sky mm. that's going to arrive that's mm. going to suddenly make mm. your life different or make your life uh, realized or mm. find you fulfilled. So everybody listening to this podcast, this means you. It means all of you. Yeah. And uh, we need all of you. I always um, talk about how we're all divinely created from nature. And so each one of us is needed and desired and celebrated to play their individual part because nobody can be you only you can do you so if you don't do you <laughs> then that's that's an unfulfillment of nature so one time yogi bhajan said he said there has never been a you in the history of the universe there is no other you anywhere in the universe there will never be a you in the future of the universe. So if you are not being you, then when you die, you never existed. And that scared the stuffing out of me. <laughs> that just freaked me out yeah. that I would spend all this time doing all this stuff. And if I hadn't been me, I would have never existed. Yeah. And I literally at this time, no matter what I'm doing, I still say that I am only about 17.5% of me. <laughs> I am striving to become at least 33% of myself. <laughs> I was reflecting on that a lot in the, in the recent weeks, of really feeling this um, sort of another, another level of the veil becoming thin and disappearing. <clears throat> and it's just, it's kind of like a feeling, almost like a deja vu, or you can't really put your finger on it, but you know that something amazing is about to happen, some amazing transformation or awakening or further embodiment of mm. you as you. Mm. And I was just uh, speaking to a friend of mine today about this, and I feel like, um, yeah, like there's a lot of me where I haven't been me. There, mm. uh, there's a lot of me that is not connecting right into that direct source, that source that is just... As that energy comes through, it's just Srimati and that's what it is. And so I've been feeling that it's it's time. There's going to be another level of embodiment, another stepping into that you know flow of energy. Well, there's a reason why you looked at me the other day after class and you said, Well, you know, you know, I'm there with you. You said to me, I'm there with you. And that was how I felt about Yogi Bhajan because he was such a rebel. He was such a radical. He was such a non-specific that he was going to give me, if I said I'm there with you, he was going to, in that there with him, give me the total, not give me, but not wrap me. He was going to be the total freedom mm -hmm. that I would be in that total freedom. And that's actually what you recognize when you see us 
you see who you are mm. because that's who we are, you know? The, you are so not specific, just so spread out into the cosmos. And we will find that core capacity through some of the things that we are being intuitively guided towards, we will find that core capacity to have something for all of you people out there listening. This is you. This is who you are. This is, this is us saying, yeah, we are you. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's a, a sutra in the Aquarian age, see the other person as yourself. Yeah, well, also, it's not that you're seeing the other person as your total self. You're seeing the other person as a pixel in the picture of yourself. And that's the freedom that we are going to kick each other's butts with, you know? Mm-hmm. Remember you said earlier today that, you know, some of, some of your initiations were just a good swift kick in the butt, <laughs> right? That's what we're going to do for each other because we're not going to let each other fall into those, those uh, cauldrons of stagnation. Mm-hmm. Our rivers are going to continue to flow. Right. Or, or stay asleep or be suppressed or, or just not fulfill yourself. And when I, I think if I had to, you know, sort of drill down my entire spiritual quest or, or devotion to life, it, it literally is freedom at Mm. at its core. That's it. Mm -hmm. I say, I came here to experience full freedom. That means to travel the multiverse at will Mm. as a fully sourced, connected being, Mm. fully sourcing. Mm-hmm. And it is that freedom that um, that we came here to represent, that we came here to reflect, that we came to learn more about in different fractals, different colors, different ways. And um, yeah, that is the thing. And when I do come and see you and and hear you sing and teach, um, I, I do recognize that. I can feel it inside of me. I can feel the truth of it and the the presence of the amazing force. When we built our school in in India, all the little kids had known me at children's camps in the various places and so they said, eh, we're not going to listen to you, Guru Singh, unless you play your guitar. Well, I didn't have a guitar with me in India at that time. For some reason, I traveled without at that time, which is quite unusual. So they brought me a guitar that was an Indian-made guitar. And if you pick up a new guitar, it'll usually sing a song that you've never played before. And this is the one that, that got created. Be confident that the infinite will take care of it. We're so fortunate to be confident that the infinite will take care of it. We're so fortunate. And that's exactly what that freedom is all about. 
Cause God is the boat God is the boatman And by God's grace we'll cross this ocean Take our lessons from the sun Shines equally all Everyone But when the sun doesn't shine We learn from the rain Falls equally on everyone The same To be confident That the infinite Will take care of it We're so fortunate beautiful gorgeous and we are so fortunate to live this life to have this awareness to have the desire and the devotion um, to know ourselves to be connected with that eternal force that is breathing us all the time in every moment and what a beautiful mission of life to know ourselves truly beautiful. Thank you for having us in Jai home. <laughs> oh, thank you for blessing us. And um, it's a beautiful beginning, a beautiful birth of our relationship, our friendship our collaborations and how they come in many, many forms. Um, you guys truly bless us and everyone else who hears you and listens to you and is around you. So thank you for your radiant presence on this planet. Um, it truly means so much. Circles come together and we definitely feel that... Um, your community is a, a circle coming together with ours and just going to make a bigger one. So we're really pleased to initiate through this process. Beautiful. Satnam. Satnam. Until next time. Jai Ma. <laughs> Namaste. If you like what you hear and you're feeling some healing, please do donate and support the show. You can find out how to participate and become a part of my community at srimati.com. That's S-R-I-M-A-T-I.com. Um, I want to thank everybody from Patreon who has um, donated and contributed to this community, this online sharing of spiritual wisdom and perspectives. I appreciate you very much. Um, if you want to just make a one-time donation, there is a button that will lead you directly to PayPal. So it's because of the generous support of all of you that I am able to continue doing what I do. And um, I feel truly blessed, truly honored to share this life with each one of you. And uh, I would also say that as I present ideas and teachings and perspectives from either myself or other people, uh, the beauty of this life is that we are all so diverse. And uh, 
It is our privilege to explore and experience many different colors of life and pick up a flower or a blossom from any teaching, any person, any experience. That experience could be expansive and beautiful, or it could be difficult and challenging and rife with suffering. Um, that doesn't really matter. What matters is the place that that experience plays in this garland that you're creating, um, or bouquet, as Guru Singh uh, mentioned within our conversation. So you don't have to believe anything or agree with everything in every instance. Simply take what serves you and leave the rest uh, for someone else. Leave the rest on the table and don't worry about it. Um, this is your life. Make your own way. Your enlightenment experience is going to be completely unique to you. And uh, Guru Singh and I were talking a lot yesterday about how um, he wears the headdress, um, which is a very sacred act for him. It's a very, um, a very beautiful devotion. And, uh, and I do not. And yet we are so similar in, in many, many ways. And in this life, I think it is uh, really powerful for us to find the ways that we are similar rather than let the human mind look to point out the ways in which we are different or the ways in which uh, maybe life has been experienced not to what our mind's expectation had. So as we release into our heart, as we live spontaneously in joy and beauty, um, it is a blessing to share that space with uh, every type of life form, and in this case, this beautiful, devoted brother spirit that I have, um, which we share so much in common, and the main thing being the love of God, being that, that foundation and that core. So um, I want you to remember that even if no one else believes in you, please remember that I believe in you to find your way into living your most authentic heart. How could it be otherwise? For you are a divine emanation of God and you are celebrated simply for the fact that you exist in a body at all. Until next week, know and feel that I'm sending you and your loved ones immense waves of grace, of peace, and of beauty. See you soon down the path. Have a beautiful week. Namaste.
structure of the body would cleanse all of that which had taken place over centuries in the industrialized West that is now running rampant in the corruption. And he said, Gee, Yogi Ji, who can know what life could be without strife? life, cosmic tune and divine union with your G. Open up your heart, let the music start. Open up your voice, rejoice, rejoice. Open up your mind, let your God light shine. Open up your soul, let your good times roll. Strive, breath of life, cosmic tuning, divine.